everybody. Welcome to another episode of Teens Mate, episode 34. I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And Ray, this week had an opportunity to catch up with Todd Birch, aka the Windmill Wizard. And Todd Birch and I go back away and always knew that he could break dance. And I saw recently he posted something to social media where I was there at that party. And I'm like, hey, wait a minute. That's his famous move he's showing. And it started me thinking about the history of breakdancing, the music, the culture. It really was a special time. So caught up with Todd, and he really was able to explain his backstory of how he got into breakdancing. I know it's still popular today. There's still people really engaged with breakdancing. So I said, hmm maybe this should be something we could look into. Uh, yeah, you know, it's fascinating, breakdancing. It, it obviously reached its popularity, its highest popularity in the mid-80s, and but it's still around. You know, like you said, there's folks like Todd who are doing it. You still see references to it in, in movies. You'll still see, see it here and there. It certainly isn't what it was in, say, 1984 or something in terms of its widespread practice. But yeah, it's still around, and, it, and it's something people know. You know, folks who didn't live through the 80s, who are 20 years old, 25, 30 years old, you know, born in the 90s, born now in the 2000s, they know what breakdancing is. It's one of those things that stuck around for, well, more than 35 years now. Yeah. And what fascinated me about this conversation was the passion, the passion Mm -hmm. about breakdancing. And I still think that is contagious today because we started getting into a conversation around the fact that. When you would get into a dispute, you would have a dance-off. I mean, that was a real thing. You actually would show your best moves, and that would end a very specific dispute. And that was part of breakdancing. That's why people started breakdancing. They breakdanced in the streets, mm-hmm. and you would a crowd would gather around you, and it was a spectacle. And mm-hmm. that was something that Todd really felt was special about that particularly unique way of expressing yourself. That's a fascinating connection. You know, you think back to like like Michael Jackson's Beat It video, you know, and you got the gangs and they, they go to dancing instead of having a, a knife fight or something else. And it's reminiscent of other forms that are related to it. So we know that it comes from similar kinds of backgrounds and a similar culture as rap and you know, rap started with play in the dozens and it was a, it was a similar kind of thing, right? You know, you traded insults back and forth until basically somebody won. Somebody got the other one to not be able to, to come up with the next line and the same kind of thing with dancing. I mean, you know, it, it's funny how we think about break dancing as a largely masculine form. Um, there are certainly women who have done it, but it, you know, in the popular consciousness, it tends to be associated with masculinity. And I think what you're getting at, you know, it sort of became a way of the sort of, you know, men fighting without fighting. You know, it, it was a way of, like you said, you had a disagreement about something, you, you had a dance off and basically it was, you showed your expertise, your presence through your ability to dance better and dance in a more spectacled way, because part of breakdancing is the spectacle. You know, you, his nickname, you know, the windmill, you know, you got the, the idea that it was it was the moves, but it was the moves themselves were based off of spectacle. The idea that you made something that looked almost impossible. How can the human body do that? 
uh, whether it was moonwalking or the worm or, you know, whatever it was. So, I mean, that was the whole idea. Wow. That like, you just went against the laws of physics. You just went against the laws of, of the human body. And so that was fundamental to it was the moves themselves. And then that you executed the moves in a way that made people go, wow. And there was always a song. There was always a song that connected a particular mm-hmm. dancer to the crowd. And we ended on, he went through many different songs, but the one that always stood out mm-hmm. to me was Jam mm-hmm. On It by Nucleus. That's his tune. And I always found it fascinating how the music itself was also connected to this time period. And we are going to put a playlist along with our podcast so you can enjoy some of the breakdancing favorites. But there were many, and I know you featured quite a few of these in depth. Yeah, it's emblematic of the 80s, right? The, the Daily 80 flashback. And that's, I mean, it's essentially the name of it comes from that same kind of culture. It's deaf, right? That was a word that got thrown around, you know, that, that meant it's cool, it's it's rad, it's, you know, any number of the other synonyms that go with it. And you're right. I think it's a great point that the music is fundamental to it. So it's, it's the dancing, it's the show, and it's the music that goes with it. Well, without further ado, let's listen to the interview with Todd the windmill wizard and when we come back we'll wrap up the episode all right everybody welcome to another episode of tunes mate i am honored to have evolve marketing owner and windmill wizard todd birch here today hi todd hi mark how you doing buddy i'm doing great i know recently you posted some footage of yourself breakdancing and it got me thinking Breakdancing, there's such a culture around it, the music, dancing, and why not have someone that is fully skilled and knows everything about breakdancing come onto the podcast and educate us a little bit? Sure, absolutely. I wouldn't say I know everything, but yeah, so definitely have some experience in it. And yeah, when you reached out to me, I was stoked. It was nice to kind of relive you know, those yeah. memories, especially this year, last year with the pandemic, a lot of reflection time, you know, thinking about things you've done or things you'd like to do. So yeah, this was great timing. Yeah. And I was just thinking about it because I know I've seen it live. I've seen you break dance, but then I never really asked you how you got into it. How did you start break dancing? Wow. That's a, yeah, that's a great question. I honestly don't know what really got me into it. I know I had started around 12 years old. I think it was maybe fifth grade. There was a talent show. So I went to Catholic grade school and there was a annual talent show. And there were three of us, me and two other guys that did, I believe it was Jailhouse Rock, believe it or not. That was the song, but we did some breakdancing moves to it. We didn't know what we were doing. I We were all very early on in the stages, but... I loved it. I think it was then really that I fell in love. I'm not sure why we started that or even went into breakdancing for that talent show, but we did it and the fans, you know, our friends and family loved it. It just, they went bonkers and people on Facebook still talk about it when I post pictures. So yeah, I, for me, I fell in love. I fell in love with breakdancing and I fell in love with, and I think, you know, you could relate to this being on stage. And, and being present and being an entertainer. I loved it. So it was a good fit for me. And as I started to learn more about it and it became more popular, you know, once a few movies came out about it, Beat Street, 
and uh, what was the other one? Electric Boogaloo. Electric Boogaloo on the West Coast with Turbo. So yeah, once those came out, it really became popular. And then there were kids in the neighborhood. And next thing you know, everywhere you go, you see it. So I'm like, okay, I want to do this. And I devoted the next five years of my life, literally from waking up till the time I went to bed. That's all I did. I wanted to master it as best I could. And I loved it. And I met a ton of people. I was in several different groups, went to many different talent shows. We would go to the mall and we would, (laughs) the security guards would have to come break it up because we'd have so many people watching us, you know, in a circle kind of blocking off stores at Chapel Hill and Rolling Acres. It was just amazing. It was just so much fun. I had no idea that you got into it before it got popular. So Essentially, you were trendsetting at that time. Uh, yeah, I never really thought about it like that. I suppose maybe we were. Definitely in our neighborhood, there really wasn't anybody doing it. So, we, yeah, I guess maybe we were trendsetting. But, you know, it was out there. Maybe it just wasn't as, as widely adopted yet. But So you learned on your own. I did. Yeah, I did learn on my own. So what I would do is, you know, this was... Obviously, back before the internet, can't imagine you know having the internet as a resource. My gosh, back before anything, really, it was so I would tape shows on VHS or Betamax, so that dates it, and or movies, and I would be up in the living room and I would watch. So I there would be a particular move or a guy or a gal that was doing a move, and I would play it, rewind it, play it, rewind it, play it you know, several times. And then I'd run down to the basement, which was where my setup was, basically my cardboard. And then I upgraded to linoleum and I would go down and practice and I'd go back up and watch it and run back down. And then, you know, I started getting a few friends into it and then I got into some groups. So I would learn from those people. And then we would enter talent shows and competitions and I would watch and learn from those folks. And just evolved from there. But, you know, my background is being a perfectionist in whatever I do. So I think that was the mentality that that I had, even at that young age, I wanted to master it. I wanted to be the best. And that's what I, you know, try to do. Yeah, that's amazing. And I've always known that about you, that perfectionist and and getting into it. And you said you started working with other friends and, and going out there. What was it like the scene back then when you would go into a mall and put down your you know, linoleum or, or cardboard, were there certain songs that you would play? Was there a very specific, I guess, playlist that you would use? Oh, yeah. So, I mean, it just gives me goosebumps thinking about it, actually. So imagine a, a group of guys, uh, five of us, right? And we're walking into Rolling Acres Mall. And we have our boom box on one arm and rolled up cardboard or linoleum in the other. Uh, well, actually, in the malls, we didn't need it. They had very polished tile, so that actually was just fine. And yeah, certainly there were songs, you know, that everybody kind of had their song. For me, it was, I think I started off with Rocket by Herbie Hancock. So that was one of the earlier ones. I was at a friend's house and he had an older brother and he was playing that on a record player and Oh man, okay, I really like this. And then, you know, progressed on to Beach Street Breakdown, which was from the movie Beach Street. And then on to Jam On It by Nucleus. And that ended up being kind of my go-to when I kind of ended my 
great dancing career. So yeah, definitely music. I mean, the thing of it was there was so much surrounding that cultural movement. There was the music, there was the fashion. I love the fashion. I just love that. It, it was yeah. so cool. And then the graffiti, the graphic arts. I think that was maybe my first introduction to some form of graphic arts. I love the graffiti and I did some tagging back in the day as well. And then the dancing, the entertainment part, pulling it all together to perform. Even as simple as going to the mall and the five guys going you know, to a central location and you just start dancing and you kind of put your hat out and if people want to contribute a dollar or two, great. But just having people watch and clap and get into it, there's nothing else like that. It, that feeling of people watching you and enjoying you and getting something out of it, maybe they would get inspired and they would want to do it or maybe it just helped break up their day. You don't know. But it was, it was a different time. It really was. And it was in my opinion, one of the best things that ever, ever happened uh, to our culture, especially, you know, in, in the 80s. Uh, it was just different. You know, it had a huge impact on not only me, but a lot of people. And I look at what's happening in the world right now, you know, and people are fighting and, and there's guns and drugs and, you know, all of these negative things. But back then, and I don't know, maybe... I was too naive. Maybe I didn't see it, but it was, it wasn't like that. If there was a beef, you took it onto the floor, you danced it out. And that's how it was. It truly, you see the movies, uh, whether dance it's off dance off. Yeah. And that's, that's how it was. And that was exciting. That's like competition. Um, that's how we solved our beefs. And there was mad respect there for whoever, you know, was involved in that. So it was, it was just, I think it was just really good for the culture in general. And everybody was doing it. White, black, Asian, men, girls, boys, female, it didn't matter. Everybody, adults, kids, everybody was doing it. Whether you were good or not, everybody was doing it and enjoying it. So just allowed people to kind of create their own personality. And that's what I loved about it. Unlike some other forms of dancing where, you know, there's definitely a trail, right? Or a journey that you must follow this. You kind of carve your own path. You're either going to, you know, be on your feet, popping and locking, or you're going to be on the floor doing your, your floor moves or a combination of the two. So you really, you had an opportunity to just create your own personality. And I think maybe that's what I liked about it the most is it was different, unique, and, and it was your own style. Yeah, you made it your own. Made it my own. That's what I was curious about because you mentioned the music, you mentioned the fashion, art, the camaraderie that comes together with breakdancing, and all of that. How did that personally you know, shape you? It sounds like it, it had a huge impact, but was there something that when you started down this path that you were most surprised about when you came out the other end of breakdancing? No, I don't think I was surprised then, but I'll tell you, looking back now, I don't see a lot of people going down that path. So here I am, you know, a white guy living in a biracial neighborhood. And, you know, I got into this and let's be honest, it was predominantly African-American for the most part. You know, the old saying, white boys can't dance. Well, that's pretty damn true. 
for the most part, but you know, I had something and uh, I started to get some traction, right? And there was a point where it tipped and I was getting recognized and making new friends and becoming popular with this. And I loved it. And I meet new friends. I was hanging out in a lot of areas in East Akron that probably most people wouldn't be in. And nobody had any issues with me. I earned my respect. And I, we became, I had made lifelong friends from that. The experience was unreal. I would be down at the Akron Civic Theater. They had holiday shows. So they had an Easter, Thanksgiving, and a Christmas show, talent shows. And there would mm -hmm. be, you know, singing and dancing, rapping. And I was in my group and I would be one of maybe a handful of people in that whole building that was white. You know, my parents, my father would drop me off at the door, never asked any questions, just allowed me to do my thing, which was great to have parents that were just open to that. And I did, and, and it was so much fun and to be in that environment, and especially what's happening. I hate to keep reflecting on what's happening now, but it's so ironic how I, I don't even see that happen these days, which is pathetic. It's sad. You know, I think we're digressing where back then, you know, we were making good strides. So, yeah, it definitely had a huge impact on me. It, it changed, you know, um, my outlook on just life and people and you know, I got to experience a, a lot of different things in different neighborhoods that uh, I think a lot of people will never experience. And I don't take that for granted. Yeah, it sounds like it had a huge impact. And while you're telling your story, it made me think about obviously reflecting on today. And I have seen a resurgence. There have been classes being offered. I know I have some friends that have actually taken breakdance classes. So maybe there is hope there, Todd, that dance-offs may resurface and that whole culture or some fragment of it may live on. I know vinyl records have had a resurgence too. People are going and buying vinyl and, and playing that, and it seems to be crossing over. So I guess my question is, when it comes to breakdancing, some of that terminology, was there specific things you would say? I mean, you're talking about popping and locking. I know there's still some of that dance culture that's out there, but are there some specific signature moves that had specific terminology? Like if you said, okay, go do, I mean, obviously I've seen the head spin, but I don't know if that's what it's technically called in breakdancing. Yeah, that's funny. Uh, I think everything has changed in, in terms of breakdancing. Mm. It's right now, it, it's different. It's cool. I love it. I could never do it the way it is now. It's, it's uh, I think, a, a mashup or a blend of gymnastics, breakdancing, ballet. It's just this infusion of so many different things. And it's beautiful. It's just different. It's so fluid now where with us back in the day, it was a move and you weren't necessarily concerned about one move leading to another, to another, to another. It was just, that was your signature move. For me, it was the windmill. And I chose the windmill because it was the hardest and it was the pinnacle of floor move. You really had two different sets of people. You had the people that uh, were the floor dancers so primarily they were just, you know, dancing on the floor. And then you had people that were standing and popping and locking, basically moving their arms and their hands. It really wasn't much crossover. It, now that I look back on it, they were two very distinct skill sets. But I was a floor guy. 
and the windmill that was that was it and i i saw it in a show called the pilot that was the actual name it was just like a one-off show not a real popular thing on usa and it was a girl actually nobody knew she was a girl and at the end she takes off her kind of pilot mask that was her uh fashion statement and she was a girl and it was it was just so cool but the move she did was just beautiful the windmill is is just such a beautiful move, and it is it has some gymnastic, I think, heritage to it, the way that it looks. But that for me, that was that was it. You know, the backspin was a precursor. You know, that was the first move, basically the the basics. If you can if you can do the backspin, then you can move up. And so I perfected that. Was never like great at it, but perfected mm-hmm. it. As, as best I could. And then I moved on to uh, the windmill and then my uh, nickname, the windmill wizard came to be, but I loved it. And within the windmill wizard, there were different things. You can do it with hands on your hips or over your crotch, or the hardest thing was to have your hands behind your back, which I eventually achieved. It was very, very difficult, months and months of practicing um, and beating up my body, but I was eventually able to do it. So yeah, lots of moves, top rock, my gosh, you know, the, the crab, the worm, uh, the head spin, you can go into a drill, you know, when you start and then you just go really fast and your hands and arms are together. We used to call that the drill, the wave. So yeah, there's lots of different moves. Maybe people, you know, call them different things, but when you saw it, you're like, yeah, okay. Yeah. That's, that's what that is. But for me, you know, and I think if you ask anybody in that time period, they would say the windmill. That was the pinnacle. Yeah, that's awesome. I can't even imagine having all those things in your arsenal to be able to display, like you said, and really get that response from the audience. And it sounds like you said you just devoted so much time to it and you have so many good memories with it. And you sent me over a playlist of some songs. Just curious. You mentioned a couple of them, but were these part of the other songs that would would always come on during your sessions? I'm seeing, uh, I mean, obviously you talked about Jam On It, Rock It. Christmas and Hollis, you, there was a, some moves to that? No, that's just, I think that was just tossed on there. But certainly, yeah, Run okay. DMC, absolutely. They yeah, they wouldn't be here today, I think, if it wasn't for, you know, Grandmaster Flash, Melly Mel, and those early folks, you know, with their rap. But, um, yeah, Friends, Houdini. But, yeah, those were the ones. Beat Street, Breaker's Revenge, that was another one from Beat Street. That was the movie. Right. And that was East Coast. So that was the New York City Breakers. They were the best. Yeah, Mr. Wave, Little Lep. You just, nobody could touch those guys. But yeah, the West Coast was different. It was a whole different style. And that's what was cool with breakdancing too, was there were, there were different styles based on kind of the area in the country that you lived. And uh, it was just, yeah, it was just different. Lots of popping and locking, uh, not so much on the floor. So yeah, it's funny to think of, you know, the East Coast being more floor driven, you know, more blue collar, hardworking, at least that's how I feel. But yeah, that's, there's a lot there. Music was definitely a huge inspiration. One thing I'll point out that you talked about the resurgence and I've absolutely seen it. In fact, about, oh gosh, maybe it's been eight years or so on MTV, Randy Jackson started his own show on MTV called ABDC, America's Best Dance Crew. And that was all breakers. And it was choreographed and they would go. It was basically set up like a American Idol type thing. And he did that for, I want to say five or six seasons. And those, so the people that won, 
I mean, I'm sure you've heard of, oh my gosh, we just saw them in Vegas. Jabberwockies? Jabberwockies, yes. Thank you. They were amazing on the show. Their Vegas show was so cool. But yeah, that's what it's all about. Just putting on a good show. It's true. And like you said, breakdancing, the culture, it had everything. You know, from the art to the music to the camaraderie. To me, that's what, as you said earlier, the world needs now. And I think breakdancing to me and watching you personally and when I put on the music, it takes me to a different place and it makes me really think about what matters. And I think that's what music is. And that's the hope here at Tunes Mate is that we can expose you to songs you haven't thought about or cultures or different movements. And I think breakdancing is something that you really have a passion for. And that's why I'm so glad you're going to come on today and really share your story and how it impacted you. And hopefully that will inspire others to try breakdancing as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I really appreciate you inviting me, Mark, and having me on here. And yeah, music and breakdancing hand in hand. They were right there tied to the hip. You're welcome. And if anyone wants to discover more about the Windmill Wizard, is there anywhere to go? Uh, well, the Windmill Wizard, there's my one video on LinkedIn. <laughs> but uh, yeah, if they want to reach out to me or connect, uh, absolutely. LinkedIn would probably be the best place. Well, it's been really cool to catch up with you and learn about breakdancing and what it meant to you. And I learned a lot of things today, Todd, that I've known you for years and I didn't even know. So it was awesome. Oh, Cool. Yeah. you. Uh, I mean, you really dug deep on this one, So, um, but it was good. Felt comfortable and it was just fun reminiscing and going back. Gosh, got me thinking now. I need to get out my linoleum and uh, bust a few moves. That's right. Going to be some new videos out there. Hopefully not a few bones, but yeah, my daughter, she, she loves it and she loves when you know I show her some moves. So yeah, it's, it's right. funny. Anybody, everybody likes to watch it. You know what I mean? It's just kind of one of those things. It's fun. The, the crowd gathers around. And that was a typical way it happened, right? A crowd yeah. would gather around in a That's circle it. and you just be in the middle. Yeah. Just like a fight, you know? Yeah. Everybody gathers around. They want to see what's going on. And you've seen it, right? You've seen it, you know, in, oh, yeah. in downtown Numerous areas. Times. Somebody's on a saxophone or somebody's dancing or doing something really unique that you haven't seen and people just start to gather. And when you see a couple people, then it encourages more. So yeah, yeah, it was a great, great time. I, I, I'm glad that it's still around. And like you said, maybe it becomes even more popular. Yeah. Well, I guess only time will tell, but the music will hold on forever. That's right. Thanks for sharing your story today. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate it. You have a good one. You too. Bye now. All right, welcome back from the episode. And that was fascinating to hear Todd and his story and how he spent years just honing his craft. Five years he devoted to breakdancing. And there was a brotherhood there, Ray. And I think that was another thing that breakdancing itself brought that draw people exactly today. Again, I, I love the, the connections you're making, the, the idea of brotherhood, right? It takes it back to, a, in a lot of ways, the, some of the, the masculinity that's involved. And when you said that, it reminded me of uh, breakdancing like the dozens, rap, other things. You know, it starts as a, a really urban phenomenon. I remember as a kid in the 80s, 
I remember the the first time I wasn't the first time I ever heard it, but the first time I really ever got into Rapper's Delight, and it was I was visiting relatives in New York City, and I mean they played the hell out of that song. I mean it was just they kept playing it over, you know they had a tape and they played it over and over, and they all would break dance, and that was what they did. And I remember another time, and I think it was Baltimore, and it would have been early '80s, I '83 or something, '82 maybe, and you're just walking along and uh, seeing part of the city and. These guys just lay down a mat and start breakdancing. So, you know, it, it really grows from an urban phenomenon. And when you mentioned Brotherhood, another thing that sort of came to me was graffiti, which really kind of developed earlier. You know, it's, it precedes breakdancing. It precedes rap and hip hop. But it is a similar kind of form in that it, it involved contests. I mean, it involved uh, rivalries and I mean, sometimes violence even. But it also there was a brotherhood there. And, you know, there was. Even rivals could, uh, if you read about the, the history of graffiti, rivals would respect, they could respect each other's work. And it's the same kind of thing, you know, with breakdancing that I, I love that connection you make that there's a brotherhood there. There's a, there's a connection there. There's a, you know, we're in this together. Right. And right along with graffiti, Todd also mentioned the fashion. You know, you had, there was a particular mm-hmm. look. You had specific gear that you wore as well. And I think that ties into everything that we talk about is that when it comes to the music, to the fashion, to everything that represents the 80s, you think about Stranger Things, you think about all these flashbacks, the Goldbergs, there's always the breakdance episode because it was huge. And there were movies. We talked about some of the popular movies that were out there. And Todd even talked about how he learned breakdancing through watching, rewinding, going back. You know, there, there weren't a lot of classes out there. It reminds me a lot about how the internet started. You just learned to do it. And a lot of this culture was reflected in the 90s. And then as you keep moving through the decades, there's always something that stands out that you absorb and learn on your own before there are actually legitimate <laughs> classes teaching you how to do this. Yeah, I mean, that's been the spirit of, I mean, how much of music history is exactly that? Folks picking up instruments or you know, just singing or putting stuff together and trying to record it. And how many artists throughout the history of music and how many forms of music and genres within music and within pop music have been exactly that. And styles, right, have been exactly that. And it transcends genres from funk to punk to early rockabilly to grunge to, you know, go on down the list. And it's that idea of we're going to learn how to do this. And while we do it, we're creating and eventually it turns into something. I mean, to borrow from Huey Lewis, that's the heart of rock and roll right there. That's right. Well, I mean, you started to make me think about, you know, today's culture. There's a lot of music artists that are creating music mm-hmm. straight off a laptop. They arrive to the concert hall where a band in the past would have all their gear. They'd have to borrow the mom's car to bring the drum set. And they're just arriving now. Here's my laptop. Where yep. do you want me to plug in? And that's the majority of the artists that are out there and they've been frowned upon. I mean, there's, there's a whole movement that is saying, you know, we want real instruments back, but now that's, that's a part of how you make music. And I think in the beginning, just like you said, that's, you were just learning to splice all those things together. And a lot of the music we have today is yeah. been impacted by I, that. I read something from the edge from you too recently. And he, he said how, you know, in the seven late seventies, you know, they were trying to just get into a studio. You know, it was like you, it was hard to get in. You, you were trying to just get in the door so you could record something. And now he's like, all oh, he needs a laptop and you can do it from home. 
And, you know, that's, that's the rock and roll tradition. I mean, you go back to the late fifties and that's how things got started. And then of course we built the studio system and, and with that became the guards who kept, you know, who would keep people in and out. But now we're, as you said, that the technology changes and as the technology changes, just like the consumption of music, right? People could share files and stuff in the industry had to change. Now it, it's exactly said the production of music has changed as well. And, and it's amazing stuff. It's part of what we do with, with Tunesmates. We're thinking about all this great stuff that's out there and really celebrating so much of it. Yeah, definitely. And, and talking to Todd, it just brought back all those great songs that you just take advantage of, like you know, Grandmaster Flash. And I remember growing up as a kid, I don't know if it was my aunt or, or somebody gave me this book on beginning rappers. And I just used to read like, oh, Houdini and, you know, reading about their craft and how they put it together. And that's what I love about Tunes Made is that you forget there's all these artists that you're like, you just did one recently where it was Asia. And I go, oh, man, I, you know, I had Asia's greatest hits. It was called Then and Now. But wait a minute. I never heard of the song Go. What's Go? And I listened to it the other day and I was like, oh, you know, like, I think he said, oh, you know, he went to number 46. But I'm like, why, why wasn't this on their Greatest Hits album? Yeah, that's the amazing thing. You know, I, I do those daily 80s flashbacks and it, it reminds me. I find out about stuff. I'm, I mean, I you know, I haven't repeated a single song and I'm trying to keep that up. And, and part of it is I dig a little deeper and, and you know, I'm going beyond the, the Hot 100 chart to other charts and to other styles and other places to find music. And, you know, one of the things I'm doing is... Uh, some of these TV show themes as part of that, you know, because that's part of 80s music is the TV show themes that were going on. And and so, yeah, we find these these songs, like you said, you, you know, a band, you know, an act, you know, and you're like, oh, my goodness, I didn't know about that song. Right. Or, you know, or the ones you don't know. And you're like, wow. You remember, was it a couple months ago when I did a few months ago when I did Cock Robin? One top 40 hit and we were exactly. both like, oh, my God, how did I miss that back in the mid 80s? And that's what it's all about. <laughs> Still don't know. Still don't know. That one really got me. I listened to that like seven times. And there's a lot coming up here with working remotely that excited to post. Recently, I've been following Sammy Hagar, and he's continually posting these new tunes he's just recording remotely. I think we posted one right when he Mm -hmm. started back in the pandemic, Mm -hmm. back in April or March. But he recently did a cover of David Bowie Mm. and Heroes. And it's just amazing that artists are still locked up they're still creating new music they're still out there they are not giving up because they love it so much and others are probably (laughs) doing some woodworking or something they're they're like well when stages open up i'll go back (laughs) and i know we said it last time when this ends we're hoping that this particular working remotely will end as well but it's been fun as we keep posting those out there for everyone that's listening yeah, and watching. absolutely. As you said, we having fun doing it. You know, there's some great stuff we're finding, but at the same time, we're looking forward to when we can stop. <laughs> exactly. Well, yeah, this was a great episode. A little flashback for you, thinking about the 1980s and everything that represents Tunesmate. And for all those folks out there that are thinking, breakdancing, yes, I probably should get back into breakdancing. It definitely is something that, just like vinyl records, and Todd and I talked about this, it's something that is increasing in popularity. And you can definitely find a lot of instructional videos that are online that are new. And also there's a lot of dance academies that are offering this ability. And we even talked about there's been some reality TV shows out there that have featured it. So once again, 
please subscribe to our blog and subscribe to our podcast. Check all the boxes off. Wherever you are, we're out there. Follow us. We appreciate your support. And once again, I'm Mark. And I'm Ray. And we will see you next time.